Amen. Thank you, Miss Debbie. That beautiful offertory piece, and Diane and Bob as well for leading us in worship this morning while our music minister is out sick with a stomach virus. We do pray that Nick gets well soon. Um, my wife has also fallen victim to that dreaded thing that's making its way around. So pray that she gets better soon as well. And it's good to see a, a good group of guests with us this morning. I know William's homecoming was, was yesterday, so thankful to see the all of you, but especially the Gores, Ken and Becky. And it's also good to see the Warners back there too. Um, Mally said, Dad, you see those people sitting over there, that girl in that striped shirt? Do I, do I know them? And I said, yeah, that was, those were our WANA commanders years ago. So I guess you guys are still in Colorado. It's good, good to have you all the way from Colorado. Glad you're here this morning. And it's good to see all of you. I had to mention something about that because apparently my microphone was hot while I was telling Mally who those people were that she knew. And Stephanie was listening on Facebook and heard about it. And uh, so my, my cell phone's been buzzing. Your mic's hot. Your mic's hot. Your mic's hot. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't say something bad. All right? So <laughs> this, uh, this morning I want to share with you a sermon that has been brewing in my heart and in my mind for several weeks now. Turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, and look with me at verses 1 through 9. As I preach to you this message, move forward together. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then 
you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The sermon in a simple sentence this morning is this. God calls His people to move forward together. God calls His people to move forward together. Last week we saw how the Lord delivered His people from slavery in Egypt and formed a nation of that group of Hebrew children through the Passover. In the verses that we read this morning, we see how 40 years later, the Lord brought them to the brink of the promised land of Canaan. Allow me to give you just a short summary of backstory so that you understand these verses. After Moses led the people out of Egypt, they spent some time in the wilderness following the Lord's leading, going to Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments. They also spent quite a bit of time in the wilderness testing the Lord, learning that they needed to trust Him instead of doubting Him. Contrary to some scholars' opinions and preachers' sermons that I have heard, the Lord did intend for His people to spend some time in the wilderness. It was about 15 months, according to the biblical account, from the time that the people observed the Passover in Egypt to the time that they sent out 12 spies to go and scope out the land of Canaan. But God's people ended up spending much longer than 15 months in the wilderness. They would end up spending 40 years in the wilderness. Because after Moses sent out 12 spies to go and scope out the land of Canaan, the 12 spies brought back a report to the people and they said, this land is good. It is flowing with milk and honey. It's everything that God has promised us and our forefathers. But there are giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers and they're going to step on us and squash us. Ten of the 12 spies said the land is good, but there's no way we can overtake the giants. We don't need to go in. Two of the spies, Caleb and this man Joshua we just read about in Joshua chapter 1, said the Lord has promised us this land. He'll give us the strength to overtake these giants if only we'll be courageous and go in. The people of Israel didn't listen to Caleb and Joshua. They listened to the other ten spies. And God punished them, telling them that they would have to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness for the 40 days that they had spent spying out the land. And during that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, an entire generation of people who had doubted God's promise would perish. After 40 years... God brought His people to the brink of the promised land in Joshua chapter 1. Moses had died 
the leader of God's people. And Moses had turned over the reins of leadership to Joshua before his death because God had called Joshua to be the leader. As Moses turned the reins over to Joshua, he shared with him this encouraging and challenging sentence that would help him lead God's people. He said, be strong and courageous. And as Joshua waited upon direction from the Lord, he heard the Lord speak the same words to his heart that Moses had spoken in his ears only a short time before. Be strong and courageous. God's people had wandered in the wilderness because of a lack of faith, a lack of wisdom, and a lack of unity. And that is where this story comes in and where God calls His people to move forward together. I want to share this message with you today as a church, as God's people. Just as God called His Old Testament people, the Israelites, into the promised land, challenging them to move forward together. If we are going to hear and heed God's call as a church, as His people, if we are going to move forward together, there are three spiritual responses that we need to have. And we see these responses within these verses. The first response to God's call to move forward together is a response of faith. We need faith to move. We need faith to move. And I want you to note just one little word in verse 2. Arise. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. In other words, get up. Joshua was receiving from the Lord a call to do, a call to action. Faith is a call to action. There is certainly prayer and patience involved in faith, is there not? You guys ever had to pray in faith and be patient upon the Lord to answer that prayer? There's also practice involved in faith. Have you ever prayed and God has called you to do something in response to your prayer? Have you ever been waiting patiently upon the Lord to answer you and all of a sudden He gives you the answer and then you have to act upon the answer that He's given? Faith requires patience, it requires prayer, but it also requires practice putting to practice your belief in the Lord. Faith requires waiting and it requires watching. Moses and the Israelites knew this all too well. Maybe you remember after they had left Egypt after observing the Passover, they came to a point when they stood on the brink of the Red Sea. Mountains on the other side of them and Pharaoh's army surrounding them from the other direction. The Lord had to tell Moses, stand still and see the salvation that I'll provide. God's people have to wait and watch in faith. But when God's people continue to wait 
And when God's people continue to watch, there comes a point when God will tell his people, now it's time to get to work. They waited upon the salvation of the Lord that night as God sent a strong wind to blow across the waters and to make dry ground appear. And you remember what God told Moses to do. Stretch out your hands and send the people forth. They had waited and watched for God's salvation. And then they had to walk in it. Faith requires waiting and watching, but it also requires working to do the Lord's will. There is waiting and watching involved in faith. There is prayer and patience involved in faith. But real faith at some point requires real action. When God calls you to do something, you can't just say, I'm going to get to it. You have to do it. Over in the New Testament book of James, the author put it this way. James chapter 2 verses 14 through 18. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and be filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. When God called to Joshua and said, arise, he didn't expect Joshua to say, okay, God, I'll get up in just a little bit. When God called to Joshua and said, arise, he expected him to get up. If we are going to respond to the call of God to move forward together, we have to respond with faith to move. Now, I want you to understand, doing works may not always be done in faith. But having real faith will mean that you do the real work God has called you to do. Perhaps for you sitting here this morning as an individual, you've heard the call from God's Holy Spirit to come to Jesus in saving faith. And the attitude in your heart and mind has been, I'll get to that at some point. When the Lord calls you to repent of your sins and to trust in His Son Jesus, He's not calling you to get to it at some point. He's calling you to salvation now. If you're here this morning and you have heard the Holy Spirit's call to your heart, a call that really couldn't be described in any other way than maybe an analogy of a wind blowing into your life and you realizing that the Holy Spirit is stirring and moving in your heart, 
He's not calling you to put off a decision to wait and trust Jesus to some later date. He's calling you to give your life to Him right now. Maybe the Lord has put it on your heart and mind to answer a call to serve Him in some way. Perhaps through a ministry of this church. Maybe to reach out to a neighbor across the street that's in need. He's not asking you to have nice thoughts toward that neighbor. He's asking you to go home this afternoon and to walk across the street to their house and check on them before you walk through the threshold of your own door. What is God calling you to do? What have you been praying for and waiting patiently for an answer from God? When He gives you that answer, when He shows you His will, will you act in faith? Will you work in faith? As First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge, God has been calling to us to worship Him, to love people, to serve both God and others, and to make disciples of the nations. As God continues to call us to move forward together, will we say, ah, God will get to it at some point? Or will we have the faith to move now? Arise, God said to Joshua. We need to have faith to move. It was time. They had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Could you imagine? Maybe some fear and nervousness. But even more than that, the excitement. Joshua had known 40 years before, God, this is where you're taking your people. And now the word came, get up, it's time. We need faith to move. If we're going to hear and heed God's call to move forward together, we also need to have the spiritual response of wisdom. We need faith to move, but we also need wisdom to move forward. Look at the next phrase in verse 2. God said to Joshua, arise. And then he said, go over this Jordan. In other words, God wasn't just calling Joshua to do something. He was calling Joshua to do something specific. To go over the Jordan. He didn't call Joshua to go around this river that at this time of year, scholars tell us, would have been overflowing its banks and running at a higher than normal rate. God didn't tell Joshua to turn around and go back to Egypt. God didn't tell Joshua to go wander around some more in the wilderness. God called Joshua to have the wisdom to move forward, to take a step of faith in wisdom. And what's interesting, if you continue to read through the story in Joshua, is that God would challenge His people to actually step out into the waters 
a representative from one of each of the 12 tribes with a stone in hand carrying the ark of the Lord. And once those people stepped into the water, the water would part so that they could cross on dry ground. God said, Joshua, arise, go over this Jordan. There was an obstacle in the way, but God provided an opportunity for them to overcome that obstacle. This river was something that would have stopped a group of people from moving forward. But God said, Joshua, I want you to move forward through the midst of this water anyway. And a new generation of people who had either not seen or perhaps had not remembered how God had parted the waters of the Red Sea when they came out of slavery in Egypt was now about to see God do a miracle in parting the waters of the Jordan River so that they could enter into the promised land. God's people need wisdom to move forward. We don't just need to do something for the sake of doing something. As we prayerfully seek direction from the Lord, when the Lord gives us that direction, we need to walk in it. We need to walk in wisdom as Paul challenged us as believers in Christ to do in Ephesians chapter 5. We need to seek God for wisdom to walk in as James challenged us to do in James chapter 1 verse 5. And as we move in faith, we need to move forward in wisdom. God may call us to do things sometimes that don't at first make sense to us. God may call us to do some things at times that do not make sense to the world around us. But what does not make sense to us and what may not make sense to this world makes sense to God. Because He is the God of wisdom and He is the God of understanding. When God calls you and challenges you to do something like move a mountain or cross a raging river, well, you have the wisdom to obey His command when you might think it's crazy and the world might look at you like you're weird. God calls his people to move forward. We need wisdom to simply step out and obey him. If we're going to hear and heed God's call to move forward together, we need faith to move. We need wisdom to move forward. And we need unity to move forward together. After God said to Joshua, arise and go over this Jordan. God wanted to be clear. Joshua had been ready 40 years prior to move into the promised land. But God's people had not been willing. God wanted to make sure that Joshua understood, Joshua, this is not just a step I want you to take. 
This is a step that I want all of my people to make. Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. If they were southern Israelites, they would have said, all y'all. God did not want any one of his sheep left behind from the rest of the flock. He is a good shepherd who watches over his sheep, who leads and guides and directs his sheep, and he wants his sheep moving forward together. There's an African proverb that I heard some years ago that I think captures this idea pretty well. The proverb says this, he who runs fast runs alone. He who runs together runs far. When the Lord speaks to his people, he calls his people together. He calls his people to do together because he knows that in and through his body, his church, he can do far more through a group of people who love him and love one another than he can through one person all on their own. It is better for God's church to be together in his way than to be ahead in our own way. We need unity to move forward together. And unity in church is an interesting subject, isn't it? Sometimes in our Baptist business meetings, we can have 40 people here and we can have 41 different ideas about how to proceed. Some of that discussion and even some of that debate, and listen to me, even some of that disagreement is a good thing. I've learned a lot from people with whom I've disagreed I've learned a lot from people who have had a different perspective or a different opinion than I've had. Unity does not always mean uniformity. I grew up in elementary school going to a private school where we had to wear school uniforms. The idea was every kid would be dressed the same so nobody could be dressed any better than any other kid. But you could tell the ones who bought the cheap polos and the ones who bought the expensive polos because the navy blue shade was different. We had on the same uniforms, but that didn't mean our school was unified. It didn't mean we were united. Simply saying the same thing doesn't mean we're united in heart and mind. Unanimity does not mean unity. There's been some times that we've had a vote by voice in a business meeting or by raising hands and people have said amen and people have raised their hands and no one said no or when we've asked that if there's any opposition no one's raised their hand no that doesn't necessarily mean unity you know why because some of you have come to me the Monday morning after Sunday night business meeting and said I didn't want to say anything last night but I didn't raise my hand last night, but listen to me. We don't have to see things the same way to be united. But we do have to have our focus on the Lord and want to follow him faithfully with each other no matter what. 
That's real unity. I don't want fake unity. I don't want uniformity or unanimity as a pastor of this church. I want unity. The Lord wants unity. He understands that we have different perspectives and opinions and thoughts and ideas. And sometimes if we're willing to listen to questions and answers and see things from a different perspective or listen to someone else's opinion, we end up with a better idea than we ever had before. Sometimes those 41 opinions from those 40 people at business meeting turn into a 40-second idea that the Lord has brought to His people's hearts and minds. Unity is what the Lord wants for His people. You and all this people, God said to Joshua. And you know what's interesting? As you read through this story at the beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua led God's people. God's people followed. Did you know that they all went in to the promised land? Nobody's left behind. I'm sure there are some people that were scared. I'm sure there's some people that had some doubts. I'm sure there were people that wondered why in the world Joshua was about to tell them to walk around the city of Jericho for seven days in silence. But they were unified. They were together. And they followed the Lord together. And he made a way for them to come into the land that he had promised them and their forefathers so many years before. Maybe you're here this morning and you're lacking unity in your life. Maybe there's not unity in the job where you work. Maybe it's time for you to humble yourself and lower yourself a little bit and listen to the guy you disagree with all the time. So you can figure out how to move forward together. It'll make your job a whole lot better. Might even make your life a whole lot better. Might even make your boss happier. Might even make the company better. Maybe you're here this morning and there's not unity in your home. Maybe that spouse that you disagree with, you need to listen to and love no matter what. You know, it's a wonderful mystery in marriage. We're not the same, but yet we're to be one flesh. Isn't it better to be together than to be apart? Isn't it better to be together in God's way than to be ahead of the other person in your own way? Maybe this morning you need to humble yourself towards your spouse and choose to put their needs above your own and choose to see things from their perspective. When it comes to unity within this church, maybe the people that you haven't agreed with 
that you haven't voted in the same way with in the past, that you haven't necessarily liked their questions or their answers to questions. Maybe it's time to stop seeing those people as an enemy in the way of doing what you want to do and seeing them as a brother or sister in Christ who is helping you to better decipher and discern God's way so that we can all move forward together in His will. God calls His people to move forward together. Will we exercise the faith, the wisdom, and the unity that we need? Will we move forward together? I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, there'll be a song of invitation played. And during this song of invitation, I simply invite you to respond to the Lord as He has spoken to your heart today. If that means responding to the call of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life, to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, then it's time for you to respond. If that means that the Lord has put it on your heart to answer the call to serve Him in ministry in a specific way, it means you answer that call. It means if God is giving you wisdom to move forward in your Christian life, in a relationship, as a church in ministry, it's time to respond. If God is calling you to humble yourself and to be unified with family members, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ here in this church, it's time for you to respond. I'll be standing down here at the front. If you need somebody to pray with you or if you need somebody to speak with you, I would be honored to talk with you, to listen to you, to pray with you. The steps of this stage are open for you to come and bow your knee before the Lord and come to Him in prayer. Even where you're at in your pew right now, you can respond to the Lord as He's speaking to your heart. But God is calling us. He's calling us all to move forward together in faith, in wisdom, and in unity. So even if you physically stay where you are in your pew, it's not time to remain stagnant. It's time to get up. It's time to go where God leads. And it's time to move forward together. Father God, as you've spoken to hearts today,
I pray you would continue to speak to hearts now and that your people would respond to the call to move forward together. Lord, may we have the faith, the wisdom, and unity to do just that. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.